0: Celia Chronicles is a Mia Chronicles production.
1: Hi everybody, and welcome to Celia Chronicles. Before we get into it this week, talking about all the latest news and reaction from Seria. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know we have a 14 day free trial at the moment for our Chronicles to Patreon membership. So you can hear the full episode of all of our podcasts on there. You get additional voice notes that Mina and I record through the, through the week, sometimes some video notes as well. So right now is a great time to check that out. If you weren't sure about whether you want to spend the money on it or not, we've got a free trial going. So go check that out at com forward slash Patreon and subscribe for membership for free for 14 days. But now that's out the way. Mina, we're recording late this week. We are a day later than we normally record. And that means we're recording dangerously close to Inter's game against Porto. Probably by the time people get this in their inbox, Inter will already have played Porto. So apologies to everyone for the slightly clunky timing, but real life happens. Producer Simon was a little bit unwell this week, so needed to make sure we made time to get him get better. I was going to say, I'm fairly certain it has
0: everything to do with Kumbola being sent off, so...
1: (laughs) It might have been Roma embarrassment for Paul Pardis-Summer. God, Mina, do you know what? Like what a week it was in Serie A. I was about to start talking about Inter right away, but what a ridiculous week just all around. Because nobody other than Napoli and Juventus, and I was going to say in the European places, Juventus scores aren't in the European places right now until either that points penalty gets revoked or they just get back in there because everyone else is dropping points. But no other team than Napoli in the top seven in Serie A Won this weekend, Inter lost to Spezia. Uh, Lazio drew with Bologna. Uh, Milan drew on Monday, so just uh, last night actually with Salernitana. Roma lost four-three to Sassuolo, and that was the most crazy game, absolutely crazy game. And Atalanta probably have the best excuse because they were playing Napoli and they lost two-nil. The So, a bonkers week in Serie A. And I've got on the running order to start with Inter. Um, they are playing Porto, as I say, probably before people have listened to this. But, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Was this, was this the most embarrassing of the defeats, losing to Spezia? What do you think, Mina? Actually, no, I don't think this is the most embarrassing
0: one. Just because with this Spezia, you, it's obviously with Semplici in charge, you don't know what to expect that much from them at the moment. I've always felt like, personally, Spezia are kind of a good team at home and disastrous away from home. They're just one of those mm. sides that you really don't know how to figure it out against them. And and you could say that it's they're an unpredictable team if you're looking to study them because we don't have that much of how they're playing under Semplitude to go exactly for which points you can go for. But to be honest with you, if you have the squad of, of an Inter or a Napoli or a Milan everything's embarrassing if you don't win like, these big matches. You know, The only times it's ever okay is if you're drawing against them or losing against each other. You know, But it, everyone just assumes that when you have such a squad like that, and especially when you're trying to gear yourself up for the big games. I think what's most disappointing, though, is that only four teams have conceded more than Inter away from home. And those, seeds are like, those teams are like Cremonese, Sampdoria, Who else is it Sassuolo? Okay, and Salernitana. Those are the four teams that have conceded more. They've gone twenty-four goals away from home. Do you know how many they've conceded at home? Six. So at home they're like a powerhouse at San Siro. Like you just, you just, you know, you know, Inter is going to win everything and destroy everyone. They've actually conceded the least amount of goals. Not even Napoli have conceded less than them at home. But away from home, it's like they. I don't know. It's like they become Sampdoria, you know. Although Sampdoria were pretty good over the weekend, but you know what I mean. Like they just fall apart, and it's it's unbelievable the switch. So this has got to be psychological.
1: I slightly regret using the word embarrassing. That just came into my head as I was talking, and, and I, I you know I, I definitely don't mean to to be disparaging unnecessarily about Spezia. But having said that, Mina, Spezia seventeenth in the table. I think they hadn't won for so eight games, nine games before this one. And the reason I think that that sort of word came into my head, the reason it feels embarrassing to me is it's just, it's it's so self-inflicted within Tara. It always I feels know. so like, it's like they just insist on self-harm in this bizarre way. And in this game, you know, I'm talking about in the first half, you've got penalty one after what, 10 minutes? And you let Lautaro take it, even though Lautaro hasn't been a very good penalty taker for you. And you've got Lukaku on the pitch, who for all his problems has been quite a good penalty taker for you. And you miss that penalty. And okay. Like after that, there's obviously a lot of game that still has to happen. Lautaro has a goal disallowed, but you can concede that goal to Maldini. You let Spezia back. You let Spezia take the lead. You finally in the 83rd minute get level with a penalty from Lukaku. Maybe you should have taken the first one. And then you still, in a game when you take 28 shots to your opponent's four, find a way to lose it. It's, it's just <laughs> such an inter-story. And they've lost eight games this season, Mina. Like it's, it's so unjustifiable yeah. for the team they are and for the way they find to lose these games.
0: You know what it is? It's also the lack of reaction. You don't feel like there's a massive urgency when they do really need this goal, right? You don't see them like wanting to, to bust a gut to try to get somewhere. Whereas they did do that against Milan. Here's the interesting thing about them. You know, I've talked about how they devolve into being this ridiculous team when they're away from home, but then, you know, then they pull out some brilliant games, like what they did against uh, Barcelona. Um, and, and you just think to yourself, I know that you can do this away from home when you're playing a big team, you want to show off. So there's got to be a psychological edge there that something's not working. And, and it's, there is so much to talk about this that I almost like, don't know where to start, if that makes sense. like The one thing is, honestly, sometimes when you get, the Brozo- when you get Brozovic playing, because I think he's so masterful, but that right now he's one of those players that he loves to be the guy that, to be dependent on. And I just feel like there's been so many changes that we haven't recovered the real Brozovic. And if you're going to mark him out of the game, which they did quite well in trying to stop him from playing, then you have a problem there because there's not enough people that can pick up the slack. And Mkhitaryan certainly didn't, I think, in this type of game. And so then you have a problem there. Secondly, it's kind of become like, you know what Inter's going to do. It's no longer surprising. They don't ever try to, I don't know, do something extraordinarily. If you see the way that it's gone this year, in particular with some of the teams, except St. Napoli, because their plan A is so good that they can continue their planning at the moment. Yeah. But if you look at other teams, like we started off with Atalanta being this defensive side then turned into a massively attacking side, then they just got off the cliff at the moment, yeah? But they've changed tactics throughout. You've had Milan that have changed to a three-man backline, always trying to find solutions for what's going on. Juventus keep trying changing their starting 11. You know, that's probably more because they have to rather than anything else. But with Inter, you kind of always know exactly what to expect. And so I, I don't know whether there just needs to be like a, all right, you're not performing for me, so I'm going go to go for the youth or I'm going to try Aslani, for example, in midfield to see how that's going to work out. Because this kid's rotting on the bench, you know, and and I just feel like you shouldn't have brought him from Empoli if you're always going to play the same guys all of the time. And, he, and Empoli was already a big step from him because he was there to replace Samuel Ricci, you know, so... You know, give him a chance, like if, if you don't want to do that. Give Bellanova a chance. Let's Dumfries, something's gone wrong there because Dumfries is no longer performing after the World Cup. Maybe it's because everyone has spoken about him relentlessly. Secondly, Lataro has missed six out of seventeen penalties. Like give it to Lukaku and don't watch him just go and put it there. And also, why is Lukaku not speaking up? Like what happened to him being like I'm the main guy here. And maybe because he doesn't feel he's the main guy over there because of the kind of season he's had. And, and then Zaki's too soft. He's letting all of this get away from him. And I just feel like Inter and Roma, for me, are the two teams in Serie A that need... Apologies for my for my vocabulary. I've tried to find a different way of saying this, but I don't know how to. They need big dick energy. Uh, they're just those teams. You know, they, they need like an Antonio Conte or someone with a whip. Yeah? They cannot. They're just not a team that can really get away with like a a Carlo Ancelotti and smiling and laughing. Although right now I do think they need a trip to Disneyland because it just feels like it's such a a worrying situation and everyone seems like angry with one another. And so sometimes I think that maybe if you just rediscover your joy for the, for, for the game rather than always being such a pressurized situation where Barella looks like he's about to spin off into madness any second. So I don't know which way to go with this, but I just, I feel like there's just so much talent there that's not, being taken advantage of.
1: Sorry, I'm trying to say it. <laughs> no, I, 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 support, I support the course the, because the it's an energy, Mina. It's an energy. Like, I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I, I think everyone knows what you mean with that. And I think that they definitely lack some, some swagger. I, I, I can't get over the fact that the team that is second in the Serie A table has lost eight games. Now I know that if Juventus had their points penalty taken away, they'd be second, but nevertheless, second in Serie A right now have eight losses, which is just an absolutely bonkers number. Like it's, it's a ridiculous number to have after 26 games. And as, as you've just been saying, like speaks to the sort of b- bizarreness of the team that they, they can be really good teams. Cause you also couldn't get away with that if you draw a lot, right? You have to win all your other games. You're going to lose eight of them. And yet throws these ones away. I, and, and there's, there's decisions that you can pick out. Like I, I was looking at the fact, again, Handanovic starts in goal and there are two shots on target and both of them end up in the net. And I look at it and go, well, individually, I don't think I particularly <laughs> want to blame him for those goals, right? I don't think there really is on him. The defending wasn't good enough. But it has felt like whenever Handanovic is in that goal, if there's a shot on target, it's going to end up in the net. And that's kind of what we changed to Anana in the first place. And, and that sort of fact only sort of put in contrast to it by the fact you've got Dronkowski make some good saves at the other end. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a bizarre, ridiculous team. Um, it, it feels slightly hard to talk about because this game against Porto is coming up. And look, realistically, Inter at time of recording are uh, in a semi final of the Coppa Italia. They've won the Supercoppa. They're second in Serie A and they're in a last 16 tie in the Champions League, which they're winning. They're one nil up. And I've been asking myself, like, what, what sort of matters the most now for Inter this season? And and the obvious answer is, boring as it is, the most important thing left in in this season for Inter is finishing in the top four. You've got to get in the top four. You've got to be in the Champions League game. You've got to make that money, period. Like That's the end of it. And, And so games like this actually are a real problem because the top four race remains really tight, even though everyone's sort of falling over each other not to win at the moment, that's going to be a tight race. But having said that, I also don't know if finishing in the top four on its own is going to be enough to keep Simone and Inzaghi his job. So what's the most important thing he can do for keeping his job? I think it might be getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, because then you've got something you can really hold on to, even in everything else has gone wrong this season, and said, here's some real progress, right? Like, okay, we've gone a bit backwards in the league since since I replaced Conte, but We've still won some things. We won the Coppa, we won the Super Cup. they might win the Coppa again this year. But reaching a European quarterfinals are real like, no one's done this since you won the damn thing, right? So, like, this is me saying I'm doing something positive. So it's hard to talk about in not knowing how that second leg against Porto is going to go. And again, by the time people listen to this, they're going to know. I, I'm curious what you think, Mina, if you think he should still be the manager of Inter next season and what you think would change your decision on that either way.
0: It's really hard, actually, sometimes because when you, when you put it, like, I always get really upset when they do these things sometimes where they're like, you know, Inter solidified their top four position, you know, Inter's the second and the only, only team really keeping up with Napoli. And then the next week they lose the game and it's like Inter financial disaster, they don't make top four. And you're just like, oh, hold on, what happened? It's one week, it's one loss, you know? But here's the thing, if you are a good team, you are measured by a different way, right? And it's there is the beauty of the game, which which personally I think is a ridiculous way to measure a team. It's results <laughs> against, it, 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 there's a lot of things to, to look at. You know, how far you get managing to be in three different competitions at the same time and playing every three days can take it out on you if you don't have a big squad, for example. I think with Intel, what we have to look at is, it becomes very hard to sort of assess where Simeone and Zagi is going wrong because this particular game, I sit there and I'm telling you, you know, why don't you try something different? Why don't you try to be unpredictable? They had 29 shots on goal, 29, mm-hmm. and eight on target. Like, how did that result in like a penalty? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I guess, and that's it. That's that's you. You guys need a penalty before you score, and not even if it's Lautaro taking it. Last year when I was writing about Inter and I was trying to defend Inzaghi because everyone kept comparing him to Antonio Conte, one thing I couldn't understand was that they were the team in the group stages that had the most shots on goal of any team in Champions League. And yet they had only managed eight goals in the Champions League stages, group stages. Eight goals from about like a thousand chances. And you just think something's wrong when it comes to just converting that. And and that's when they had, like, I think there's a part of me that thinks that them losing Paris, has been a huge difference of their attack as well but with with inter i have to say it's psychological as well because it's not like they went through a sort of a period of form where they've fallen off and you think it's been like a little bit like Minan is and they have to recover and change tactics or whatever it is it's just sporadic every time they're away from home and it's a small team you can almost guarantee that they're going to have a problem and i just can't understand how they can be one way at home and one way of, of Differently is it? Is it the fans? Do you need a lot of encouragement? Do you need to like vibe yourself up for a big game? Is it? Is is that on Inzaghi? Does he need to change the psychology? Is but personally, I don't know how to say. If I'm building a team, as much as I think they're so great on paper, there's just you know what I mean by this guy that just wants to kill everyone to get the goal, like a Harland or a, a Zlatan if you will, a Lukaku when he first arrived. There isn't really that guy at the moment. Like, Lukaku is a shadow of himself. Lautaro is still streaky at best. There are some moments, like I watched him in Argentina thinking, what on earth are you doing? And there's some moments where he's so brilliant that you think he's the best player in the world. He's just one of those guys that personally irritates me in that way. You know, I don't know whether to depend on him or not. And I feel the same about Rafael Leao and Vlaovic. In fact, all three I wouldn't take on my team, if I'm honest with you. And then you look at their midfield and channel is okay but uh, again i don't know psychologically if this team is just unhappy at the moment and maybe like i said maybe they just need to have fun
1: i actually think it's like a, there's like a bigger point here maybe within terra as well mina like where because it, it's like he's under contract till 2024 right so in theory he should be there for another year they may or may not um stick with him i think on balance they're more likely to than not um but we'll see how the season ends i actually think like the, anyone who's thinking that you could just change your manager and, and click your fingers and fix anything is probably a little bit overly optimistic about the state of this squad, bluntly, because yes, there's some really good players in there. There are. yeah. There's some brilliant players in there. But at the same time, just going through some of the sort of important players in that squad and their age. Acerby's been brilliant this season, 35 years old. Edin Dzeko has been fundamental this season, 36 years old. Henrik Mkhitaryan really important season for him, 34 years old. Mateo Damian plays regularly, 33 years old. Stefan De Vrij plays regularly, 31 years old. This is not Milan with a mostly young squad. This is a squad with a few young, important players, and young is relative because we're not talking about kids, but middle of the career players. Lautaro Martinez is 25, obviously. Nicola Barella is is sort of very much in, in his prime at 26 years old. But this is not, this is not a young squad. And factor in that they're not even sure if they can keep Lukaku because Chelsea aren't just giving him to you. You've got to pay something. Um, and leaving. I'm worried about the, the trajectory of this team. I, I think that even though in one sense, this European moment has a chance to be back in the quarterfinals, maybe it won't be by time for listening, but it has a chance right now to be that, that actually we're seeing like a tipping point towards much harder times ahead, not easier. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I I don't look at this squad and feel particularly optimistic about the next few years, don't know about you.
0: But if they are a little bit older, like you've just noted, shouldn't they manage the moments better? Like if Mm. it is, if you are like an older player and you sort of understand the way that the game's going, don't you expect a little bit more from your Mikitarians and your Lukaku's and your Achervis, I guess, when you are, and your Brozovic, when you are playing against Betzia. Spezia? Like, I totally understand it if you're in the middle of the Champions League. Weirdly enough, I, as much as every single thing that you read right now, and if you look at anything statistically, they are supposed to be losing to Porto. These are the types of games that I always feel like the attitude comes through. I don't want to talk too much about that because you, you already know what it happens. It's bad when time, not it? yeah. Okay, yeah. It's all really good. But it's one of those where I just think that when Milan can, when, make, when they make mistakes, I can blame it on youth. I just feel like with Inter, I'm expecting a little bit more from these veterans. I'm expecting a little bit more of when Lautaro is taking the penalty and you, Lukaku, yourself know that you're great in penalties. You've got who I don't think he was on the pitch at that point. Is great at penalties. Then say something. Stand up. And, and, and if he's not going to say, and Nizagi's not going to say anything, then what are we doing here? Like We, we have to chase results. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I that's so harsh to blame it because Latara has given them so many beautiful moments. I'm just saying everyone can do something. But when you do look at their attack, and there was a problem last year and we said, well, there's no Lukaku. So maybe if they can get Lukaku back, they'll be more efficient in front of goal. But they haven't been. So either they change the tactics to make him central to the project and Latara Martinez adapts, or they stick with the way it is and maybe find, I don't know. I don't know because right now it's not, there's something up front, which isn't efficient enough. And I don't know whether, like I said, it's a psychological problem or or not, that they just don't seem hungry enough to me.
1: Hey gang, just wanted to let you know that you can now get a free 14 day trial of our Chronicles Defosy Patreon membership.
0: Subscribe now for free for 14 days to get access to all of our full episodes, solo minisodes, bonus content, even behind-the-scene bonuses like our chats about football and, of course, our chats about life in general. You can also get
1: the entire back catalogue of A Chronicles content. So head over to sediachronicles.com forward slash Patreon and subscribe to the Chronicles Fosie membership for free. I think we should move on because, because, because there's so much to say that we can't say with the Porto game coming up. Um, I, I know there's been some sort of um, reaction to this um, promo for the Porto game that Porto put out with a pizza yolo in the middle of it. I, I can't say personally, I just wanted to address it. I can't say personally, it made me angry. It made me roll my eyes. I think there's sort of ridiculous stereotypes. I mean, God, listen to anyone in, in Italy. Milan is just about as far from the home of pizza as you can go to. I think most people in Italy, including <laughs> my cousins who live in Milan, will tell you the pizza in Milan's pretty bad. But I, I'm a second generation Italian. I grew up in England. Um, if my dad was still here, I'd be curious what he thought. But I don't think there's been massive offense at it. I think it's more sort of, more of the reaction I've seen is, is rolling eyes, the ridiculousness of it. I don't know if you feel differently meaner about that. I mean, because I, I know this idea of it sort of being a racist trope with the Italians. Exaggerated, you know, pizzaolo chef. But at the same time, you know, when the NFL comes to England, they make up ridiculous things about beef eaters and Big Ben and all of that. To me, it's just sort of, I don't know. It's to me, it's inoffensive. But maybe other people will feel differently about it. Let's talk about a team that is brilliant, Mina and uh, Napoli, because it's really difficult, isn't it? Because because they're brilliant every week, and we don't always like <laughs> know how to deal with that. Because it's such an easy run to the Scudetto this season that um. Repeating ourselves about how good they are feels strange, but Cavarzaglia with a, a, a sensational goal that I know you enjoyed against Atalanta, so I think we should be reveling in that for a moment. Ok, l'apertura per Cavarzaglia che riceve da Osimhen, para, 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 para! Para! Cavarzaglia! Cavarzaglia! Effetto para sul Maradona. Yeah. Ora zero Napoli. Quest'ala lancicante di Cavarzaglia, Interno-esterno, interno-esterno, e botta sotto la traversa. Una meraviglia questo gol, una meraviglia. Mina, talk to me about the body swerve that, that first goal against Atlanta. Like, how can you be up against seven
0: players? Like, how can you be up against seven players and still have such control over the, the ball to strike a magnificent strike and secure the goal and make people just want to pass out? Like, I don't. The last time I, I, I honestly can't even remember the last time I enjoyed, there were so many players that I do do enjoy watching football, like, and I watch them perform. But Gravesquelli is is one of those that I haven't felt that way since I was very young. I, I just, it's, I, I personally, I was a big fan of Redondo and they're very different, but it's just this, this magnetic ability on, on oh, this, just his feet. It's, they're just amazing. He's <laughs> just amazing. And that goal is amazing. And and you know what? Like everything gets wrapped up in how well that they perform going forward. But I also really like to, to point out how much they actually tackle. I mean, they're just a side that had 24 tackles in this game. 24. I mean, that is a hard working team. Kim is outstanding. Brahmani, I think, has been outstanding. Uh, and this is Atalanta. I know they've fallen off a cliff, you know, recently. I don't know what's going on with them. And they tried so hard to contain them, but it was almost like, you know, no shots on target for Atalanta until the 72nd minute. Are you kidding me? The awesome and Kravatskelia. 51 of Napoli's 84 goals. That's 61% across all competitions. This is the power of Napoli right now.
1: Kravatskaya, by the way, if anyone has no chance to see it yet, yeah, it's given a really lovely um, interview to uh, the New York Times. The writer who's wonderful has gone straight out of my head. Um, Rory. Rory. Oh my goodness. Yes. Why is his surname? I'm so sorry, Rory. Anyway, wonderful interview in the New York Times. And uh, yeah, really interesting sort of listening to him sort of talk about his experiences in Naples, what a dream it's been for him, uh, sort of the way he uh, he he Smith. talked about. Roy Smith. Roy Smith, thank you. God, I'm so sorry, Rory, um, who I've met and spoken to and admire tremendously as a writer, wonderful interviewer, but uh, for some reason couldn't think of his name just now. Sorry, Rory. Probably wouldn't hear us, but yeah, I, I think um, really interesting sort of hearing the way he talked about, I think Razorio talked about Spalletti and what he asks of them and the way he relates to them, and and I think it's this the sort of overarching idea of things that can sound quite cheesy, right? Of freedom and using your heart as well as your head, and those things are all cheesy and on some level, of course, a bit ridiculous. But also, they are absolutely who Spalletti has always been. Spalletti has always been a little bit out there in the way that he communicates, in the way that he um, transmits himself to players and to press. And I think it's also sincere. And I think that what always fascinates me in sport, um, and certainly team sport, is when you see that ideas, whatever the ideas are, because they can be completely different, just strike a nerve and connect from coach to players. And in a tangible way, we can talk about it on the pitch. And we have talked about it on the pitch. Napoli play in not a structureless way, but in a relatively fluid and responsive way. They don't come into games with like one way of beating you. They come into a game with a, a formation and with some sort of again, structure. But they they probe and they look for those opportunities and they go, okay, these are the areas that we found at weak points and now we're going to shift our emphasis that way. And you see from game to game that emphasis shifting and the areas they attack through shifting and the way that players concentrate and aggregate on the pitch changing. And, and I think there is something that's really connected in the f- free spirit, I would call it, of Spalletti and the free spirit of Kvarrat as just sort of the... The key thing in that, that differentiates this team, because I think both of them clearly experience and, and feel football in, in the same way. And yeah, I, I, I think that's a really hard concept to enunciate, but I think you could, you can talk about that with different managers and, and, and different, um, times just as well. Like, I you know, Allegri at his best, I think connected to Juventus's players with that core value of, pragmatism that we've talked about so much because it was just like we just it's just about winning like nothing else is relevant it's just about winning and I think that you had players like Chiellini who really understood that like to his core and then you had that connection from pitch to player and I think that that's a part of why this just works at the moment for for Napoli is those two things but Kavara Galia as an individual footballer is ridiculous and yeah. You know, everyone was tweeting that picture of him before he scored the opening goal against Atlanta, you know, stick it in the Louvre or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's a moment, isn't it? Cause you got like three defenders lined up in front of you, like one after the other after the other. And they're all crossing over each other, but they're all in a line. Cause they've all been going in opposite directions because, because how do you keep up with him? He's got that George Best body swerve about him that just is, is so seductive and wonderful to watch. And. And yes, um, hope they continue it in Europe as well. I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt coming up next, we're, we're reasonably confident they're going through that, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I, I imagine. Um, I just really like the way you just put all of that about Spalletti connecting to his players. Um, you're right, because in that interview, he talked about feeling the freedom. And it was so nice to read that, having the idea. I do want to say one thing on this. It's like when you when you appreciate a coach so much. It's like Sacchi is considered probably the greatest Italian coach, right? And one of at least, if, if not the best, yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the way that he saw the game, but and how many rules and how many revolutions he managed. And and for that he deserves all the applause in the world. And personally my favorite was was uh, we've spoken about this at great lengths, Fabio Capello, because he's he's just somebody I, I leaned into quite a lot. But what is so fascinating about Spalletti and Ancelotti and I would sort of put Allegri with that but not as much as them certainly is that they they try to connect with the players so much more and it's about it's about heightening the IQ of your players more than it is about having a formation and it's interesting to see how Carlo Ancelotti has changed because I feel like he was such a systems guy that was all about the formations and then it came about understanding the moments of the game understanding how to like study your opponent and look for the the flaws that you can attack and also his mentality is his ability to psychologically improve his players is something I think is second to none Spalletti I just yeah it's about reading the spaces and you're right it's everything he creates is a masterpiece so you feel like it's always a revolution but it's not a revolution it's just his way of of studying the opponent and now he's taught that to his players how to study the opponent and adapt accordingly and then take control and it, obviously it helps when you have these level of players but at the same time he made them those level because there's no way on earth that anyone thought Lobotka was going to be that no way on earth that everyone saw this in Ramani or or I,
1: I don't yeah you, you just put it perfectly that's just to pick up on what you just said though I mean like individual players as well like you know I can talk about the big minded stuff and in it you know and I believe it but like Kim and Jay cost less than 20 million euros. Like the the scouting is ridiculous. Like they found players who no one else was valuing at these values. And, you know, we talk about a second ago, talking about inter and like, oh, they're getting too old or whatever. Well, this is how you rejuvenate your squad. Find 25 year olds who everyone else has not put the same value on as you who turn out to be brilliant. I mean, I think Kim has been one of the sort of almost underappreciated stories just because of how good everyone else at, at, at Napoli is, but he's been spectacularly good for them.
0: People who don't put stock in how much a coach changes like it annoys me when Allegri says all I do is not do damage, but I can't. I am somebody who personally p- thinks that your coach is worth seventy percent of your team. I'm just somebody who puts a lot of stock in my coach because there's just no way Liverpool would have been Liverpool without Klopp. Okay, if you are a brilliant team, then yes. If you are like a stacked team, then I do think. But you know, PSG bought the very best and still can't do anything, right? So that that has to do a lot with your management. And, and and I'm not just meaning coach, I do mean scout as well. But when you have somebody like a great coach, I think it makes such an impact on your club, especially when you have a management team that works well. Like Ivan Juric, I think at Torino could do much better if he has a, a sort of a team around him that actually work with him rather than seemingly trying to destroy everything he's trying to create, you know? So I mm-hmm. just, and even then he's managing to do great work because I don't think this Torino side deserves to be anywhere near where they are, for example. But Yeah, I I do think that that's important, but we should speak about a talent to another great coach.
1: Sports Social
0: Podcast Network.